Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. I do have one announcement from me. Uh, we are having a child dedication on Sunday, March 8th. And so again, this is for parents to uh, publicly Dedicate your children to God, to raising them in Christ. So that's coming up on Sunday, March 8th. And if you're interested for that, uh, we do have a class that we want you to take. Uh, It is on Wednesday, March 4th here at the church. So um, that's coming up. We don't baptize children here at Lighthouse, but we will dedicate them to God. And mostly that's parents making the decision to raise their children in Christ and uh, doing that dedication. So as many of you know, I grew up Mennonite, um, which meant that when I attended Locust Grove Mennonite Church on Sunday mornings, we would sing hymns, much like we just sang a couple of songs here. Uh, We would actually sing hymns. We had the Mennonite hymnal. It was a red-covered book. And then we had a black book called Life Songs. And if you opened those up, there were hundreds of hymns in there, and they would actually have uh, the the music stanzas, and they would have what the different positions of different parts, whatever, I'm not that musical, would, what they would sing, you know, the alto, the whatever. And then, but I always like to, to sing that lower section, you know, it's the bass section. Even though my voice was a little high because I was a kid, I wanted to sing with the guys, you know, down there. So I would try really hard to sing those parts down there. And it was really pretty to listen to because everybody was singing their part. It was in a four-part harmony. And, uh, but I will tell you, even though I do believe most of those songs were written uh, to be a, a song of worship, and uh, when they were originally sung, because many of them are from the 1700s or 1600s or whatever, Um, I believe that they really were songs of worship. And for some people, maybe they would have been even in our church. But for me, I didn't actually worship God in it. I I just tried to sing along. Do you know what I mean? How many of you actually sang like hymns growing up? Just, yeah, so most of us. You know what I'm I'm talking about. Well, um, later on as a young adult, I joined a home group. And in this group, I remember the first time I showed up there, I sat down and this guy, his name is Bob Mast, he pulled out a guitar. And I was like, oh, cool, a guitar. We didn't have that on Sunday mornings. It was just a cappella. And he started just strumming his guitar. And uh, we started singing these simple choruses, which, by the way, many of those choruses were written by uh, the Vineyard Movement um, back in the 70s and 80s. And so, anyways, we'd start singing these songs. And, and there'd be like one verse and then we'd sing a chorus, and then we'd go back and sing the verse, and then we'd sing the chorus maybe twice, and then we'd go back and sing the verse. And I'll just be honest with you, I got bored. I'm just like, oh man, they're just singing the same song over and over again. I mean, when we would sing a hymn, at least we'd go to verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4, but this was like the same thing over and over. And I just kept singing, endured it for several weeks. But you know what started to happen to me? As we would sing these songs and sing the same words over and over, I started to actually look at the words. You know, I started to to really understand what we were singing and who we were singing to. 
And I actually started to mean the words. You know, I mean, I actually like started singing them. I actually started singing them to God, not just like about God or just a song. I actually started singing songs to God. And I believe that for the first time in my life, I was actually singing songs of worship to our Heavenly Father. And more than that, see, as we, as we started singing these songs, and as I really started to mean what I was singing, some strange things started happening. First of all, I got like the chills. You got ready, you know, you got to feel like that. I, I felt something. That was, that was new. That didn't happen when I sang hymns. And then I started getting these Holy Ghost goosebumps. Like they're just like, I mean, they were real goosebumps. I could look at my arm and there was like goosebumps. Like what is going on? This is weird. And then over time, you know, I'm just singing these songs and getting past the goosebumps thing. And there would be times I would just feel overwhelmed with a sense of gratefulness and thankfulness. I'm just like, just, I could just feel it welling up inside of me. I'm just so grateful and thankful to God. And then there were times that I would, I would feel overwhelmed with the love of God. I mean, I could just feel like a warmth, just kind of like enveloping me. That's kind of weird, you know, but just like I could feel this warmth. There were times that I would just feel like cut to the heart and and broken and sorry for something that I did like earlier that day or the night before. I was just convicted. And then there were there's those very few times in my life where I actually had like a tear start to come to my eye. You know, you just I would get emotional. I'd quickly wipe it away because I didn't want anybody to see that. That's weird, you know? Now, this wasn't just happening to me. This was happening to this group of Mennonites sitting in this circle. It was happening to all of us. One, one night, we were meeting together, and uh, there's about 10 of us or so, and then there was a knock at the door. This guy stopped by. He was in the middle of a divorce, a painful divorce, and he was friends with the, the host home. He was friends with them. And he saw cars there, so he thought, you know, a party's going on or something. So he stopped, and we were just like singing songs. So he sat down with us, and we just started singing these songs of worship, and we could feel the presence of God. And then he began to weep. He just started, just started, you know, crying a little bit. And then pretty soon he was just sobbing and just crying from the brokenness of his broken marriage. And it was at that moment we were able to come around him and pray for him. And he found healing that night from our Heavenly Father. And he ended up joining our group after that. When we worship God, when we truly worship God, things happen. Things change. Now I will say that singing songs of worship, like we do here at Lighthouse, can look kind of strange from the outside. Right? I mean, it really can. If you, if you think about that, we're all standing up here looking at songs up there. And, and some people are like swaying. I know I'm a swayer. You know, if you ever see me, I just kind of swaying back and forth. Not really on beat because I can't do that. But just kind of swaying a little bit. Some people have their eyes closed and they're just, some people doing this, you know, they're singing. You have people raising their hands. That's, that doesn't happen all the time, right? You don't see that in corporate office, just people raising their hands. Like, what? What? You know, no, I'm just raising my hand. Um, so, you know, people raising their hands. Some people might be crying. 
right? I've seen that. Some people might be kneeling down. Some people might even be dancing. And I can tell you, you know, if you think about it, if you grew up in the church, you saw that, you know, that might be normal to you. But if you haven't, or you think about people like your friends who've never been to church, that can look kind of strange. But I will tell you, from God's point of view, it's a beautiful thing. It's an incredibly beautiful thing. Scripture says that when we praise and worship Him, He inhabits our praise. And we actually sing a song about that. It comes from Psalm chapter 22, verse 3. And I love it in the King James Version, how it's translated. It says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. And that, O thou that inhabitest, that is translated from the Hebrew word yashab, which means to sit down, to dwell, to remain, to settle. So if you think about that, when we sing songs of praise and worship to God, when we praise Him, God takes notice of it. And it kind of stops Him. And not just like draws His attention. This scripture would say that He actually like pulls up a chair and sits down and just kind of dwells in the midst of it. And I will tell you, that's in contrast to what's happening in the world, right? So many times when God hears his name spoken, it's in vain, right? OMG is probably the, the most popular phrase out there. If you're startled or you're angry, you just immediately are using God's name in vain. So God hears his name and he's like, oh, they're just using it in vain consistently throughout you know, our country and our world. Or if something's going bad, how many times have you heard, man, I just, I'm just mad at God because, you know, he, he, my mom died too soon, and so it's his fault. Or I grew up in this household where I lost my job, and, and all that blame gets mounted up on God. And then when God does do something and he blesses us, how many times does the world just not even recognize that it was God? That he gave us our breath, that he gave us our life. But when a, a group of people or even individuals take time to praise and to worship and to thank him, he can't help but take notice. He can't help but just stop and go, wow, look what's happening. I mean, does he even call out to some of the angels? Hey, Michael, Gabriel, come over here. Look, look at that. Look at those people down there at Lighthouse. One of them's got a tear in their eye. Look at that. You know, gets all excited. But I tell you, it's at those times when we're worshiping God that we can really sense His presence. We're in a series right now about the presence of God. It's called Witness, Seeking Connection with Our Heavenly Father. Witness is defined as the state or fact of being close to or connected with someone or something in close association to or proximity to. So this series has been about getting close to God. And we've talked about Topics such as fasting, solitude, and silence. And even last week, we talked about sin and confession, how it's important to confess our sin, to kind of reestablish our relationship with God. These are all ways that we can get closer to God. But I will tell you, my favorite way of getting close to God is through singing songs of praise and worship. That's my favorite way. Worship is defined as to honor or show reverence for as a divine being or supernatural power. 
to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. And when we sing songs of praise and worship, and and we truly mean and understand what we're singing, God takes notice. He stops. He pulls up a chair and He inhabits our praises. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to be in uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 100. So you can turn there if you would like in your Bibles. If uh, you have a Bible, paper Bible, it's going to be right in the middle. Smack dab right in the middle of your Bible. And Psalms was written by King David. Most of these are actual songs of worship. Most of these are songs. And I will tell you, King David, if you study his life, he knew how to worship God. He was not perfect. It doesn't require perfection to worship God. But boy, he worshiped God with all of his heart. So he wrote this. This is actually a song. I'm going to read it now. I won't sing it to you. Verse 1, shout for joy. Wait a second. I want to be able to read it accurately. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. I want to read verse 4 again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So today's message is titled, Worship, a Gateway to God. I'm going to give us a couple of ideas on how we can better worship God. You know, it's kind of a frame of mind. And you can fill these in on your handout in just a second. But first, let me pray. So God, we come to you and thank you for uh, the opportunity to worship you and praise you and to give you thanks, God. And God, we are just so grateful that you do take notice when we do this. So Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from you today. I invite your Holy Spirit to be present in this place, Lord. And God, I pray that you would take my words and make them yours. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. We can't help but worship God when, number one, we realize who he is. When we realize who God is. Verse 3 says, know that the Lord is God. So part of this is knowing who God is. Know that the Lord, Jehovah, is God, the supreme God. It is he who made us. So that's part of who God is. He's the creator God. He made us. Now that's an incredible statement. Just to simply say, God created us. Our bodies, our physical bodies, the human being. If you go back and and look at your old biology textbooks, you'll see things like the fact that we are a set of complex systems. If you kind of remember this, there's the circulatory system which runs our blood around so that everything gets oxygen and it takes back carbon dioxide. There's the digestive system, which for me has been trying to figure things out since I'm doing this Daniel fast and it's wanting, you know, meat and cheese and bread and that kind of thing again. But it's, it's adapting. It's adapting slowly. 
There's the muscular system, which actually allows us to move around. There's the nervous system, which allows us to feel and to touch. I mean, there's system after system after system in our body. And when I was in high school, I wasn't really that, that interested in it. But as an adult, I've studied some of that, and I'm like, wow, we are incredibly complex. The complexity of our human bodies is so extreme that there is absolutely no way that we are here by chance. I'm just going to throw it out there, just so you all know. We are not a product of survival of the fittest or of natural selection. That didn't happen. According to Scripture, Darwin was wrong. We did not evolve from apes. We were created. We were created. And I will say, as, as scientists continue to study and, and, and understand our bodies more and more, man, they are just alarmed at how complex and how perfect we are made. And more and more scientists are coming to the conclusion that, well, this isn't, our bodies aren't by chance. There was actually some design behind this. There was some thought behind our bodies. And if there was a design, then that means that there was a designer. And according to Scripture, that designer was God. I want you to think about this for a second. Every life form alive today descended from a previous life form. Okay? Every one of us had a mom and a dad. And our mom and dad had a mom and dad, had a mom and dad. You know, every life form that exists today received its life from another life form that existed before it. Every one of them. So we could go all the way back, and scientists would say that there definitely was a first man and a first woman that were all descended from. And that was Adam and Eve. They won't say that, but <laughs> it was Adam and Eve. And so when Adam was created, God breathed life into him. This is in um, Genesis 2.7. says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So when God created us in our perfect state, he breathed life into us. And then that life was handed down to Adam and Eve's children, to their children and their children. Every single living being today is alive today because of that breath of life that was given to Adam and Eve at the beginning. Now that's true for animals. That's true for plants. That's true for all microorganisms as well. Now scientists have tried really hard to create life on their own. They've worked and said, okay, if, if life existed and it evolved and all this stuff, then we should be able to create life. And uh, I did a little research, and this comes from evolutionfact.com. FAQ, I wouldn't recommend going there because it argues, you know, evolution. But listen to this. There was a question that was asked and the answer to it. Have scientists ever created life in a laboratory? As of the time of this writing, no, scientists have never created cellular life in a laboratory from scratch. The technology simply does not yet exist to manipulate molecules with the precision required to create all of the inner workings of a cell built one atom at a time. All of our scientists collectively on earth today, all of the scientific knowledge that we have today has not been able to create life. But God did it. 
He spoke it into existence. God is incredibly smart. Smarter than all of our collective intellect here on planet Earth. Not only is God incredibly smart, just understanding who He is, He's incredibly powerful. Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the biggest understatement that's ever been made. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Whoa! God created everything that we see. He created it in the beginning. That takes a lot of power. Now this week, I was trying to get my mind around this because we just can't grasp it. We just can't. But I, I started to tr- put something together so that I can try to understand what that could possibly mean. So first of all, let's just talk about planet Earth. All right? Um, if, if my car breaks down today and I have to walk home, it's about, I don't know, four or five miles, it'll take me an hour or two to walk. And I'll see a lot of the countryside for that hour or two. But that's just like four or five miles. The circumference of the earth, if I, if I was able to create a land bridge around the equator and, and, and go and measure the distance around the equator, it's 24,901 miles. Okay, almost 25,000 miles. So again, that's, okay, 25,000 miles. Okay, I'm trying to get perspective of that. Okay, let's see. If I was going to walk 25,000 miles, going to walk around the earth, and I was going to walk three miles an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it would take me almost a year to walk around the earth. It would take 345 days. 345 days. Now we know that we can't actually walk 24 hours a day. So let's say we just walk eight hours a day. Then that would mean that it would take us almost three years to walk constantly, constantly walking around the earth. All right, can you get a grasp of that just a little bit? Okay, three years of my life to walk around the equator. And that obviously doesn't explore the whole planet. I mean, that's not Alaska or Antarctica or even Michigan. It's, it's you know, it's just, it's just the equator. Our planet is huge. It's huge. But I can, I can at least get a grasp of it, right? A little bit. Well, it, our planet's not the biggest thing in our solar system, right? The sun is. Here's a, a picture that shows the size of the sun compared to the earth. The earth is that little blue dot over here on the left. Okay, three years to walk around the blue dot. <laughs> the sun. 1.3 million earths fit inside of the sun. 1.3 million earths fit inside of our sun. Can you... Can you can you get a grasp of that? I mean, the sun to me is just like the side of my fist if I hold it up in the sky, right? No, it's 1.3 million times bigger than our earth. And our, our sun is not the only star in our galaxy. Here's a picture of the, our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. This is what it looks like on a dark night if you go away from all of the night light pollution. You can see this is looking into the Milky Way because we're a spiral galaxy and uh, our sun is on one of the spiral arms on the, near the outside of the galaxy. This is actually what our galaxy looks like. This is the Andromeda galaxy. 
It's our, our neighbor nearby. But it looks, Milky Way looks a lot like that. So inside of our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, there are between 100 and 400 billion suns. Between 100 and 400 billion stars in our galaxy. And each one of them is around 1.3 million times bigger than our Earth. And our Earth takes three years to walk around. All right, we're starting to get there. We know that our galaxy is not the only galaxy in the universe, right? We already talked about the Andromeda galaxy is nearby. And each galaxy contains somewhere between 100 billion and 400 billion stars. Just a few years ago, the scientists estimated by looking through telescopes and measuring and estimating, they thought that there were about 100 billion galaxies. 100 billion. But since then, that number has been upgraded because their telescopes are better now. And so they think that there's somewhere between 2 and 10 trillion galaxies. And that number keeps growing. So if you look at 10 trillion galaxies, 100 billion stars, that comes up with one septillion stars in the universe. That's one with 24 zeros. And scientists would say that's probably an underestimate of how many stars there are. Each one of those is probably around 1.3 million times bigger than our planet. Well, here's the deal. God created all of that. That's what Scripture says. He created it all. And not only did He create it, He knows every star by name. He knows it by name. That's the God that we worship. Incredibly powerful. As I was putting this message together this week and, and just trying to put my mind around that, I was driving to Martin's to pick up a salad with nothing on it but like beans, you know. Um, but it's, I really like salad now. And, uh, but I'm, I'm driving and I'm just thinking about this and it really, it just brought me to tears about how powerful God is. How smart God is, God is, how wise God is, but more than that. Verse 5 says, For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Our God is good. Our God is loving. Our God is faithful. And when we get a glimpse of this, when we because again, I don't think we can get more than just a glimpse of this. We can't help but worship Him. We can't help but worship Him. So that's point number one. Number two is uh, we can't help but worship God when we realize whose we are. So when we realize who He is and then we realize whose we are. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God, it is He who made us. And we are His. We are His. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. That's whose we are. We are His. My son Ben, he plays cajon up here uh, on the stage. And Several years ago, he wanted to learn how to play the cajon. So we we're going to buy him a cajon, but instead we decided to buy him a cajon kit. And so it's where you make your own 
cajon to play. And, uh, and so he built it. I helped him a little bit. He built it, built it. He drew some designs on the side. And I'll tell you what. I was actually even talking to him before service. He likes that cajon better than the expensive one that we have here on stage. Why is that? Because he made it. He made it. Well, it's the same for us, right? God made us. Scripture says he even made us in his own image. So we have a special place in God's heart because he created us. We are his. Now, the thing about God is that he gives us free will. That's the great thing about God, and it can be a real challenge for us as people because he gives us free will. We each have the opportunity to decide to belong with God or not. We can choose to be part of his family or not. He loves us all like we're his own because he created us. But when we accept Jesus Christ's death on the cross as payment for our sin, then we are born again and we are born into his family. We inherit a new identity. We get a new destiny. And we become children of God. I love the scripture from 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We are God's special possession. And he calls us out of darkness. I don't know about you, but before I was a follower of Christ, man, I, I had a lot of darkness in my life. My mind, my thinking was twisted. I was very self-centered. I had no hope for eternity. But when I turned to God, when I became part of his family, he called me out of darkness into light and he's given me a new thinking. He's given me a, a, a care and a love for others that I didn't have before. And he's certainly given me hope for tomorrow. God transforms us. So you can write this down. Your last fill-in. It says, God's transforming power is freely available to his kids. We are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. And his transforming power is available to each one of us. So we can't help but worship God when we realize whose we are. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. We're going to sing just another song or two before we end. But I wanted to remind us or make us aware of a couple opportunities that we have this week to worship God, to truly worship God in song. First of all, on Tuesday night, every Tuesday night, we have the prayer room open from 6 till 8 p.m. in here. And typically, we just play some music softly, and it's an opportunity for us just to connect with God through prayer. But this Tuesday from 6.30 to 7.30, right there, the hour in the middle, uh, we're going to have Esther. She's going to come in and play keys and just worship. She's just going to worship for an hour. And uh, we have an opportunity just to sing along with her. So that's a great opportunity just to worship God, to give Him the credit that He deserves. Also, Friday night, uh, we are having our Holy Spirit uh, more Holy Spirit night of worship. And I would encourage you, come. 
just come. <laughs> Whatever plans you have, just cancel them and just come. It's going to be a very special night of choosing to worship the God of the universe. And then a third opportunity is right now. Right now we're going to sing our guts out, right? I mean, we have an opportunity to worship God. And the first song is one we haven't done here before. It's called Raise a Hallelujah. And it is a declaration. It is a declaration of what we're going to do. And just to, just to sing out, I'm going to sing. No matter what kind of storm I'm having, I'm going to praise God. And then we'll close after that. If you guys would stand. Let me pray. So God, we come to you right now. And Lord, no matter what our background is, Lord, I pray that you would teach us to worship. You deserve it. Man, you deserve it. <laughs> My feeble mind can't even get around how big you are. The things that you've declared in one sentence in our scripture, I can't even understand, God. But Lord, I choose with all that's within me to worship you and to praise you and to give you the credit that you deserve. And God, I thank you even now that you inhabitants our praises, God. That you show up, that you take notice as we sing these songs of praise to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. That's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.